Hello, we are Bianca, Emily, and Lindsay. And today we are going to be talking about a topic that is not often discussed, porn, specifically porn literacy. Well, now that we have your attention, porn literacy is defined as the necessary tools and knowledge required for viewers to process porn as a work of fiction and in a healthy manner. This is a topic of growing interest as pornographic content becomes more available in a variety of different mediums. We thought it would be interesting to compare the views of typical college students like us to a specialist's view of porn issues. Issues ranging from virtual reality porn to porn depicting non-consensual sex. To do this, I interviewed my friends John, Ollie, Tim, and Brian. And I interviewed my friends Tori and Charlotte. Some of these names have been changed at the request of the participants. We also interviewed NC State's own Dr. Kami Kasinko to get a professional perspective. Dr. Kasinko is a professor at NC State who has taught several communication classes. Her research pertains to the role of communication in the management of stigmatized conditions and identities. Her work focuses on concepts such as stigma, disclosure, social support, safer sex communication, and STI prevention and management. She was nice enough to meet with Lindsay to discuss the topic of porn literacy and the less than glamorous aspects of porn. The first question we posed to her concerned a lack of LGBTQ porn research. In my research, I found that there is a lack of research concerning LGBTQ plus porn and its effects, and I was wondering why you think that is. Sure, uh, that is correct. There is a lack of research on that. There's also a general lack of research on LGBTQ sex issues in general. Most of the populations um, and samples that we base sex research on tend to be comprised largely of white, heterosexual, cisgender, middle class individuals. So there's a dearth of information on LGBTQ sex issues in general. And I think that plays out in the literature on porn. And I think when people People are looking at porn. They're choosing to sample porn that has the broadest um, appeal and the largest market. And so that leads people to um, put more emphasis on the heterosexual porn um, and pornographic portrayals than the LGBTQ porn. When I was interviewing my friend Charlotte, she talked about her thoughts and experiences with this. I mean, I would say part of the reason is because just the thought of LGBT porn in general, just the thought of like LGBT research in general is probably a fairly new thing. Like LGBT, like gay people weren't allowed to marry until 2016. So it's only three years later after that. So that's wild. I know. Right. I think about that. Like, I can't believe it. I think it was 2016 or maybe it is 2015. Either way. 2015. Either way. Yeah. Very recently. Yeah. So I think that's probably part of the reason why there is a lack of research. But I think it's important that there is research because at least in my experience as a member of the LGBT community, trying to find like lesbian porn that is made by lesbians for lesbians is really hard. And, and not I for like straight dudes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that a lot of people who don't really, I guess, put in the time and effort to research gay porn and lesbian porn. They don't know that that's, like, not how it really is. Yeah. And I think it's important for everyone to know what sex is really like, but exactly, if there's a lack of research into LGBTQ um, porn, then they're going to experience the same as the the same effects as the lack of porn literacy in general, regardless of what if it's heterosexual or not. This next topic was brought about because I'm a huge fan of a podcast called Savage Lovecast, hosted by Dan Savage, and he started this film festival called Hump. 
He wanted to create a space for amateurs to share their homemade porn films for an audience. There's no guidelines to the film. They can be softcore erotica, hardcore intercourse, straight LGBTQ+, funny, romantic, and everything in between. It's a traveling film festival that goes to major cities, and I've always wanted to attend. It seems like an interesting concept, and I'm curious as to what others think about this kind of film festival and whether they found it to be helpful or harmful to how people perceive porn in the future. I think helpful because I think with anything, any problem in society, really the only way to like learn and grow from it is just through honest discussion. And I think part of the reason why our porn literacy is so poor because talking about porn is not a common thing. It's very frowned upon by most people. And so when you don't have these honest conversations, when you don't try to clarify what this is, really explore the space, then I don't think our perception of porn is going to change. I think it's always going to have kind of a negative connotation to it. And so I think having festivals like this, creating a space in which people can talk and share and communicate about porn issues, Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably a good thing. Harmful? I mean, I don't know how it would be harmful. Oh, harmful? I just said handful. Yes, it'd be harmful. Yes, absolutely 100% harmful. They're harmful because it's encouraging young girls who are in an impressionable age to join porn. I mean, I think it could be good because it could be like a big business, like more common. But Yeah, but they'd be encouraging amateur porn, which is encouraging more people to get into the business. That's bad. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with porn. I mean, I've never heard of anybody saying porn was a life choice or a career path that they wanted. What do you think? I mean, I don't know if someone has, like, a born robot. That's true. But, like, there are so many risks involved with it. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as being a career path that anybody would have chosen. I guess you could say it both ways. I guess it could be helpful to those who want to go in that career path or make a living off of it, I guess. Um, and just help people open up and being comfortable with who they, who they are, being behind the lens, or having sexual intercourse. But then again, I mean... I feel like that is just open a gate for people that want to go down that path and just to see if they got a feel for it, I guess. When the same question was posed to Dr. Kosenko, here's what she said. I suppose it depends on the representations that they're seeing. So if uh, they are getting a broader representation of sexual activities and sexual beings by watching homemade porn, uh, then it could be a positive in that uh, you're starting to see, as we just talked about, um, more LGBTQ representation than you would in um, professional quote-unquote pornographic films Uh, also I think it allows people to take some ownership over their role in the porn process such that you're not concerned that the people being depicted are doing so against their will that they might be underage um, that they might have been forced into this industry uh, as opposed to another so one would think that this was a more empowering way of approaching porn than uh, uh, what we would think of as the typical porn, porn industry portrayal. I'm sure it's not just me who has seen the growing number of reports and articles discussing the possibility of popularized virtual reality porn. In fact, when I told someone I work with I was creating this podcast, he told me one of his friends had recently downloaded VR porn to his headset. 
For those unaware, virtual reality porn is porn that is viewed with a VR headset, in which the viewer can view and sometimes interact with the porn from a first-person perspective. I wanted to get Dr. Kosenko's opinion of how she thought this would impact audiences. I would think that virtual reality porn would be something that we would expect to see take off um, just because it's already uh, a mediated experience. And so the direction porn takes tends to be the same direction media in general takes. Uh, so, for example, the, the VCR and the DVD player were introduced primarily because porn pushed for those. Uh, so I think it will make uh, virtual reality and AI-based media experiences more common if it's fully embraced by the porn community. Dr. Krasenko said she expected for VR porn to take off soon, but based on the comments from Tim, it's already available. I, will, I yeah. love VR porn. I would love to. To try it. Would yeah. you ever participate? Absolutely. I've been given an offer one time to join to do a porn video, like the little end porn. For what? To be the camera guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're funny. You're so funny. No, she wanted to be in it with her, and I was like, you know what? Like my dick is not that big. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I shit you now. I'm like, I'm not. I don't have the. Like, those guys usually have a huge, massive penis. I'm like, I don't want somebody watching that be like, that guy has a small penis. So I was like, let me leave that lifestyle. <laughs> I wanted more clarification from Dr. Kasenko about the possible ramifications of VR porn. Do you think because it's like a first-person perspective into porn, like the viewers are inserting themselves in the videos that that might enhance the negative effects of porn, such as like body image issues things like that um yes and no we, we know that at least from contrasting um kind of the passive intake of information from traditional media versus the more active participation that people have in video games that those two different approaches to rea relating to the medium affect the effects of those um, representations. So it is possible that being more involved in the media process as far as porn goes could um, engender different effects than just passively watching it. But what we know from the literature is that the more negative effects of porn tend to be demonstrated by people who already have aggressive tendencies. And so it would be whether or not the VR AI approach to porn tends to be taken up more by people who have these existing negative views on sex or if it's just something that has more broad appeal, in which case I would expect to see similar influences or effects of um, virtual reality porn as I would just regular traditional pornographic films. Another pressing concern surrounding porn literacy is the depiction of safe sex. There have been recent strides to encourage condom usage among adult film stars. Southern California is a major hub for porn production, and in recent years, there have been multiple proposed laws that would require porn actors in California to use condoms when filming. Although no condom laws have made it to the implementation and enforcement, several porn studios moved from California to other areas to avoid the potential restrictions. Porn actors are even discouraged from using safe sex practices while filming, and many are paid more when they don't use protection. Charlotte had some interesting thoughts about avoiding depictions of safe sex. 
That's so gross. Why? <laughs> like, why? Why don't people want to see safe sex conducted? I think that that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I think that goes along with the fact that, like, sexual education in general isn't comprehensive. Because yeah. I think the standard should be sexual protection. Absolutely. Um, why do you think audiences don't want to see condoms depicted in sex? I think part of it is because there's this stigma around using a condom where men are like, it doesn't feel as good when I use a condom. You've heard that, right? Everyone's oh, yeah, heard absolutely, that. Absolutely. And I think that that goes along with the porn. Like, men don't want to see it being done because they don't want to use it in general. They don't want... Again, yeah. I'm stereotyping. I can't really give you a male perspective, but that's just how no, I yeah, view exactly. it. It's fine. Here are some male perspectives. Well, condoms I mean, are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if you see a guy using a condom on a girl, it makes it not as fun. I want to see fluid motion in my porn. Fluidity. <laughs> No pauses, no break scenes. <laughs> so I think condom is a safety sex feature and people like to see risks. And once they see a porn actor not using a condom, they're risking it more, despite either the woman is taking security features or not. So I think that's why people don't want to, audiences don't want to see condom because they like risky stuff. I guess it'd be kind of like a fantasy at most. And then like a condom sex seems safe. I guess unprotective sex is kind of like dangerous. So, being that it's more dangerous, I guess it appeals more sexy to others. Dr. Kosenko addressed the issue of safe sex depictions from a more technical perspective. Yes, I think we see very few representations of um, safer sex behaviors, um, not only in porn, but in traditional media. So uh, encouraging condom use to be featured uh, on uh, pornographic sets is something that will not only protect um, people in that industry, but will also help viewers model that behavior um, in their own relationships. And so I would encourage both um, porn makers and people who feature sex scenes in traditional media uh, to do a um, better job of representing condom use and other ways of being sexual and safe um, because a lot of times we tend to think of safer sex behaviors as purely using condoms when there are a lot of people for whom condoms are not a viable way of protecting themselves from sexually transmitted infections or unplanned pregnancy so featuring even a broader range of sexual safety strategies like the use of dental dams or finger cots would also be very helpful I also think that uh, you want to get the most quote-unquote bang for your buck out of screen time. So you have the choice of allocating maybe 30 seconds to condom use or extending the oral sex scene by 30 seconds. I think filmmakers are more liable to choose the latter just because it contributes to the entertainment value. Okay, so kind of similarly, do you think porn depicting clear and verbal consent would diminish the cultural discourse that it is unusual to explicitly ask for consent? Yes, I think that would be very helpful. And again, not just in porn, in um, all media that depicts sexual interactions. I think a lot of people don't have education regarding how to achieve uh, consent regarding what consent looks like and regarding what non-consent looks like. And I think one of the stereotypes that porn advances is that there is something hot or sexy uh, about 
taking a person against their will or um, changing a person's mind kind of midway through the, the romantic or sexual encounter. So establishing how you achieve consent in a sexual relationship and having that modeled by um, porn actors would be very helpful for viewers, many of whom are relying very heavily on porn for all of their information about sex. And that stems from a lack of sex education in schools and also from a lack of parent-child discussions. So along the same lines of consent, do you think porn that depicts non-consensual or forced sex can be unhealthy for viewers? Certainly, and we do see that aggressive individuals tend to gravitate more towards those more aggressive portrayals of sex. So um, making pornographic portrayals that are more realistic and represent the, the negotiation of consent would do at least some to, to negate those negative portrayals. Here's what Ollie, Tim, and Brian said when asked if they feel that porn reinforces the idea that consent is not necessary in sexual encounters. Oh, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Those things where like guys are forcing these girls, grabbing yeah. them, like choking doing them, choking them in the woods. You think these little kids aren't like imagining this shit? It's creating like a, like a perverted sense of sex. Not that I've ever seen anything like that. I'm a, I'm a Christian man. I'm <laughs> Okay, I, I agree with what you said. Five. <laughs> yeah, but the more risk they take and they show crazier things, you need to stand out when you're creating your porn. So yep. they're doing these crazy things and people are clicking, clicking. And the younger you are, the more impressionable you are. True. Next thing you know, you're going to be telling some little girl, you're going to be grabbing some little girl, trying to choke her and fuck her when you just met her instead of taking her to dinner. When talking to my friends about the same issue, this is what they had to say. I mean, there has been some porns that I stumbled upon that... It's pretty rapey, let's be real. <laughs> they need to do a better job at providing like that it is consensual non-consent. So I think, I don't know what the right answer is though, because I think non-consensual porn, non-consensual porn, as long as it is truly consensual deep down, I think that that's okay. But I think if it's going to be advertised as non-consensual or for sex, like, to, I think the advertising of this kind of porn should be different. I think that there needs to be kind of a line. Mm -hmm. Because there are people who, are see, who see that ad, but are It almost kind of perpetuates rape culture. In my Advertising opinion. it, yeah. I, I agree, but then again, how do you fix that, you know? When asked about how much porn could be considered too much, there was a lot of debate about what can be deemed unhealthy. I think societally, too much porn is... Uh, not being able to determine the difference between real sex and porn because like if you have so much porn out there that it's overriding anything that has to do with reality I think that that's a problem but is that a problem of porn or is that a problem of sex education and people turning to porn for sex education because ours in America hmm. sucks so much that's a really good point I, I think it could be a combination of both but you you make a really good point there. I think part of it is just sex literacy in the United States is not great. So I would also say porn is too much for a person if that's like all they think about, but that's like a whole like porn addiction thing. Mm -hmm. But as for like how much porn is too much, how do you quantify porn, you know?
my other friend Tori also had an interesting take on what's considered too much. I mean, I, again, it just depends on the person. Like, I don't think a 13-year-old should be watching porn all the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, it happens. I don't know. I just think it depends on the person, if they can handle it or not, if they're able to separate. Like, obviously, the younger you are, the harder it is for you to separate, like, those feelings versus, like, real ones. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. as you get older and more aware, I think it's more okay to watch it more often, I guess. When we asked Brian and Tim, they shared a different opinion. So, yeah. Then the definition of too much depends on your stage of life. Yeah. After college, you should not be watching an excessive amount of porn and jerking off more than once or twice a, a week. A week. If you're doing it once or twice a day, you need to go see a therapist. I found it pretty interesting and actually kind of funny that Tori and Tim shared essentially opposite opinions about what is considered normal porn usage. Tori thinks it is less appropriate for younger people to use porn because they don't possess the necessary porn literacy skills. On the other hand, Tim thinks adults shouldn't consume as much porn as teens. I can see where they're both coming from, although I don't think everyone who watches porn once or twice a day needs to see a therapist. Sex issues are rarely ever that black and white. Dr. Krasenko was also less inclined to strictly categorize excessive porn use. When we classify something as a sex addiction or a porn addiction, what we're saying is that there is something as being too into sex or being too into porn. And that that just actually really speaks to how sexual desire is a very large spectrum and that it's just as valid for someone to have a very high level of sexual desire and thus possibly a very high level of porn consumption as it is for someone to have no sexual desire whatsoever. Uh, So I'm hesitant to classify any amount of porn consumption as too much, though I think the the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for um, Mental Disorders, would suggest that anything that rises to the level of interfering with your daily activities um, could be considered a disorder. If someone identifies for themselves that they think they have an unhealthy relationship with porn, do you have any advice for them? Uh, I would try first to encourage them to think about what made them think that they have an unhealthy relationship with porn. It may not be that they think that they watch too much porn, but it might be that they think that they watch too much of a certain type of porn or that they're relying too heavily on porn for information about what sex looks like in real life. Um, In that case, I would encourage them to uh, explore resources. There are several online that have um, done a good job of debunking some of the myths that uh, are advanced in pornographic films. So things like one common um, stereotype in porn is that uh, all women like to have um, men ejaculate all over their faces. And that is not something that most women report enjoying. Uh, so there are resources that um, have been created to help people kind of check themselves before they wreck themselves as far as uh, what sexual or what sex actually looks like when porn has been your only source of information. Our last question concerned the future of porn literacy. We asked Dr. Kasinko if she thought a porn literacy class or a porn literacy section of sex ed is a feasible goal for future American schooling. She was not optimistic. Sadly, probably not. This was disheartening, as when the other participants were asked if they felt 
that they would have benefited from a porn literacy class, this is what they had to say. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Because, like, when I first started watching porn, it was just, like, I had no other idea of what sex was besides that, especially because, like, it was kind of before sex ed, too, and it was, like, before my parents ever really talked about it. So it was, like, really the only instance that I really knew what it was. Yes, it would teach kids that porn is just a figment of the imagination. It's not really real sex. And maybe it would help guys respect girls in, in bed and help pleasure them better. Because porn is not reality. Porn is just a video that they do sets on. Yes, it'll be more advanced than just regular sex ed. Because most, most people thought sex ed was just like a joke. I think society would benefit. Not me personally, but people in general would. Here is more explanation from Dr. Kasinko as to why porn literacy education seems like a distant goal. The instructor's level of comfort with specific topics is predictive of whether or not they'll actually address that topic in class. So the more uncomfortable topics like um, masturbation, abortion, tend to be left out of those discussions. And porn is something that tends to be an uncomfortable topic for people. So I think it would be unlikely that instructors would feel comfortable addressing porn in general, um, let alone trying to teach students what they should be looking for in porn and how to consume it in an educated fashion. There's also um, legal restrictions on showing any pornographic material to um, people under certain ages. So it would be hard for a high school or middle school instructor to talk about porn and its problematic representations without the students actually have any sort of frame of reference for that. Um, And you certainly could not get away with showing porn in in class in order to Uh, contradict what is being seen Uh, and finally I think there are a lot of things that are left out of the sex ed curriculum that are probably more pressing issues to address um, such as the negotiation of consent Um, a bigger deal is made out of porn and and its negative effects than um, the research literature bears out so I would want to see sex ed programs focus what little resources they have on some of the the big heavy hitting issues. So after all of this research and conversation, we come to the conclusion that porn literacy probably has no future as a widely discussed and taught topic. And in reality, even if porn literacy classes could be implemented and mainstream porn makers took it upon themselves to depict more accurate and socially conscious sex scenes, would that really make a difference? Because people, including myself when I began this project, like to view porn as a standalone villain. But in reality, porn is not the only media that is lacking. Traditional media also fails to capture the complex nuances of real sex and instead presents us with a polished, safe sex lacking, male dominating representation. This also culminates with lack of effective sex ed to create the perfect storm of misinformed porn viewers. So porn literacy would probably be a band-aid covering the chasm of sexual communication issues that Americans face from the beginnings of our sexual awakenings. 
In light of all these depressing conclusions, we hope that our episode today has at least demonstrated that these topics are not going overlooked. Specialists like Dr. Kosenko and others willing to open up about sexual patterns and issues may be the first step we need to properly educate the public about consent, safe sex, porn-driven myths, and a long list of other problems we couldn't even begin to address. Thank you for joining us, and we hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Music for this podcast was provided by Airtone from CC Mixter.